To me, surfing on a river wave is just peace. I've never felt more connected to myself. It's always changing and it has all these different moods and you just have to kind of react to it accordingly. And sometimes it's going to be frustrating as hell. And and sometimes it's just going to be total bliss for hours. It's just this really amazing dance with nature. As cheesy as that might sound, that's what it feels like. And, and there's no other way to describe it than than like a dance. It's amazing. Saturday, May 16th, 2020. Sup, everyone. I'm Paul Clark. Sup, Paul. Welcome back to the podcast. Springtime in the mountains means snowmelt. Rivers are full with the runoff, and boaters, if they're allowed because of quarantine issues, are on the water. I'm in the Pacific Northwest in Washington on one of my favorite big water runoff rivers, the Wenatchee. But in this episode, we're heading to Colorado to talk with Brittany Parker, one of the OG river paddleboarders who actually influenced me through media to get into river paddleboarding so many years ago. She's a river surfer, a river runner, an adventure traveler, and an educator on the river. So without further ado, Brittany Parker. Brittany Parker, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Where are you at? I'm in Rifle, Colorado, um, self-isolating with my grandma in one of the houses that I grew up in. Back home, but you're able to surf every day. Yeah, it's great. (laughs) (laughs) How far is Rifle from Glenwood? Glenwood is uh, about like 30 minutes away. Okay. Yeah, it's east of here. It's not too far, just off of the main highway that runs through Colorado off of I-70. And during the, the Colorado snow runoff, Glenwood is the epicenter for probably the entire sport of river paddleboarding, especially the surfing part of it. Can you tell me a little bit about that area and why it's so special to you? Yeah, Glenwood, I mean, Glenwood is really where I first learned about river surfing and um, it's where I first started stand-up paddling. And I think it, I mean, it, it's an area that harbors some of the most, more influential people within the industry, like Charlie MacArthur. I mean, he's north of, or he's south of here in Aspen, but Charlie MacArthur is like the OG of stand-up paddling, whitewater stand-up paddling. And then you've got, also got Ken Hovey, who's um, in Eagle and, it's so Glenwood's kind of like this meeting point for a lot of the OGs. It's on the Colorado River. There's uh, paddling year round. There's a little bit of everything from flat water on the river above the dam to like class four, even class five on the Colorado River below the dam. And then you've got the Glenwood Wave, which is unfortunately it doesn't run in the winter time, but it starts really becoming surfable early spring and then is there until like midsummer, close to like start of August. There's something for everyone in all levels. It's where I started stand up paddling. It's where I started river surfing. And it's just, it's a really easy access place. Like the bike path is along the river pretty much the whole way. You can run shuttle, bike shuttles. You can walk along the river. Like it's just, it's like this, um, 
It's like this lifeblood of the the area. It's great. And you're able to to be there now, and it looks like through social media, people are there too, and 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 hopefully you're respecting spatial or social distancing and and all of that. Yeah, yeah, everyone's been pretty good about it. Um, you know, we want to try to keep it open and and going because this is such a special time for all of us and a time that we value more than anything. And so, um, we're trying to be as as conscious of it as possible to make sure that that is something that we have access to uh, throughout the season. You were talking about the OGs, including Charlie McCarthy and Hovey. You're one of those OGs, though, aren't you, too? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I don't know. It's so funny. Like, I guess I've, I've been doing it since around 2011. So what's that? Almost almost 10 years, almost a decade. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> So so yeah, um, I, I guess you could say I'm 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 I've been around for a long time, and um, but I've learned from those guys, and um, they've always been super supportive and teaching me a lot. And it's weird to say that I'm an OG. OG. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course I've shared this story with you, but I'm going to share it now with my audience. When I was just starting river paddleboarding a couple years after you started. I was flipping through SEPTA magazine and finally saw someone running rivers on a paddleboard. And it was Brittany Parker with her helmet, shorts on, and long socks just running whitewater in Idaho. And I said, okay, it exists. People are doing it. Uh, Melanie Seiler was on in that photo with you, too. And I think you were doing a raft support trip with Up the Magazine. But I realized it's happening. I want a part of that. And Brittany Parker, OK, who's this person? Find her in social media. And and it, so it began. And we met each other at the Payette River Games. And uh, we've been on a, a trip to Japan together. And I followed your your evolution as a paddler and, more importantly, as a human. Uh, so. I've been wanting to have you on the podcast for a while. We've tried to do a variety of ways to do this with technical difficulties through the, the COVID crisis. But I'm so happy that uh, that uh, you're finally on the podcast. Yay, me too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as, a, as an OG river paddler, tell us a little bit about your evolution, how you got into it, and, and, and what's, what's life as a river paddler like now for you? Yeah, well... I didn't have any river background growing up. Um, I was, I kind of grew, grew up being afraid of the river, like, a, like a lot of people. And, but I was always attracted to water. And so I grew up wakeboarding with my dad. I always wanted to surf, but, uh, that obviously I never thought that was possible in Colorado. So I was wakeboarding, I was going to Cape Cod almost every summer with my family and playing in the ocean. And I was really attracted to water, but I didn't have any river background. Um, but in high school, you know, we started or like right after high school, we'd start doing like tube floats down the Colorado, really ignorant to any of the dangers of the river, like no life jacket. And sometimes they were little boozy tubing experiences with like 40 ounces of malt liquor in one hand. And it was bad. <laughs> it was bad. Luckily, we didn't have to learn the hard way of how bad it was. But I, you know, in hindsight now, I obviously know. But 
Um, and then I was, I was snowboarding in the wintertime and, and so, and I was working at the ski resort in the summertime, I needed another job. So I looked into raft guiding and I just always thought that raft guides were such badasses and, um, but a big appeal of it too, for me was, sorry about that. A big appeal was also, um, just to help get over my shyness. Cause I was a really, really shy person. Uh, for most of my upbringing. And so I thought raft guiding would be a good challenge for me. Um, I started raft guiding on the Colorado River. And within my first year, I saw I was taking a family down and I saw some people on stand-up paddle boards. And the minute I saw that, I was drawn to it because I was like, finally, this is, this is a way for me to get close to that, that surfing feeling. And it was just a way on the water. It was just, it just made sense to me because of my love for board sports and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, and it was this group that were on like wave storm foam boards. And the guy that was kind of the, the catalyst of the whole thing was um, Shane Ibrahimi, who is now the owner of Shibumi. And he invited me out. He re he lent me all of his gear and took me down the Roin Fork River. And I was just like instantly obsessed and hooked. And I don't think after that, I, there was a day that I didn't spend on a board in the river. Um, and then the, the next year I, I saw rivers, I found river surfing and um, yeah, I've just been, I've just been hooked. I've been a lifer ever since and I found out about the Teva Games in Vail and that was a big goal of mine was to compete in the Teva Mountain Games and so I started signing up for competitions like Fibark and then Glenwood Springs used to have a stand-up paddle surf event called the Rocky Mountain Surf Festival that Charlie Mack put on and um that's where I got in touch with Badfish. Like Badfish was super welcoming to me. I just show up not knowing what I was doing and they'd lend me like custom <laughs> boards to try out on waves and Harvey would be on the mic like talking me <laughs> up, not really knowing me and me just like floundering, trying not able to even paddle in on my knees. But I was just amazed by the community and how welcoming every everyone was and I had never experienced that in the snowboarding world. And I just fell in love with, I mean, paddleboarding, I loved paddleboarding, but then it was the community that made it all really stick, you know? And so all my friends, um, my whole life trajectory has been um, on around stand-up paddleboarding. All my friends that I have are, are from that community. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's been a huge, a huge um, part of my life pretty much the only part of my life like the main part of my life uh, and you've been an influence to so many others you know I included myself in one of those but how is it to see because you you host clinics and you do international trips and you're inspiring a newer generation of paddlers of river surfers of people who are interested in instructing as well how does that feel to know that you're an impactful person on other people's uh, lives and development of river travel well it only makes sense for me to do to try to teach and get more people into the sport in a positive way just because 
the river has given, it's just given so much to me and it's changed my life in such a significant way. And I know that, um, I'm not the only one who share, who feels that way. And so I want to try to help others find that connection to the river and to nature. And so, um, getting more people into the sport, um, and the lifestyle and the community is just, just feels like it's natural, you know, like why, why wouldn't I, I just want to have a positive impact on the community and have some sort of say in the direction that the sport goes so that it continues to have that, that positive, inclusive community feel that it's always had because you can, you know, as, as sports get bigger, you can lose that. And so my goal is to try to maintain that, um, that aspect of the sport while I'm like through teaching and education and all of that. And as a instructor and educator in the sport, how would you define river paddleboarding? Some people say it's running technical whitewater. Some people say it's dropping waterfalls. Some people say it's running down a river with a bunch of gear on it. What's river sup to you? River sup to me is just being on a board on the river, really. I don't care what you're doing because everyone has their own flavor, right? Like there's so many different facets of the sport. And I have found as much um, contentment and joy out of paddling a long flat section of river on an overnight trip with zero rapids as I have on like a class four, class three section, maybe even more joy from those experiences. So I think that, I mean, to me, it's just river paddleboarding is being on a board on the river and in some way just being closer to nature in that regard. And you've been on a board on the river more and more lately without a paddle and going back to maybe what your route is, is that surfing a river wave. I love surfing without a paddle. <laughs> 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 I love how free it feels. Um, I feel like I can connect to the wave and to the water better because I am relying totally on um, my connection with my from my feet to the board, from the board to the water. And a paddle for me can almost be a disconnect or a bit of a crutch because you can get away with a lot more with a paddle when you're surfing. Um, you're, you know, you're bracing, you're, you've just got this extra form of stability. So it allows you to almost, and um, I don't mean this as like an insult, but it, it allows you to get a little lazy. And what I've noticed when I take, even on these small waves, I'll be on my stand up paddle board and I'll surf that, like my river surf stand up paddleboard, and I'll I'll have a paddle with me for a bit, and then I'll ditch the paddle, and I'll like with my paddle on, I'll be like doing these really nice turns, and I feel like I'm a total rock star, and then I'll ditch the paddle, and I'm just like can barely move, you know. I mean, it requires so much more mind, body, board, water connection that um, is just undeniable, and. So I've been really, really enjoying that. And then also from a teaching aspect, it's there's a much shorter learning curve. Like I'm not having to teach when I'm teaching river surfing. I'm not having to go through the strokes and everything like there's this whole other thing, this this other tool um, referring to the paddle that you have to think about. And 
the success rate is much lo- not lower, but it's just it just takes a much longer time for students or clients to actually feel the sensations of surfing if they have to deal with a paddle. So, um, my goal is to get people on the wave, and it's so much easier for people to get on the wave. They can just be on their stomach, lower center of gravity, push themselves in, paddle with their hands, and pop up. Um, so it's been it, it's more appealing I think to a larger audience so it's achieving for me that goal of getting more people on the river creating more stewards of the river and just making it more accessible for people the accessibility and also that stripping down of stuff including the paddle but you look like a whitewater kayaker when you're surfing and let's talk a little bit about something you've actually written about when you're on a river whether you're on a paddleboard or a surfboard, what are some of the the safety precautions and some of the safety gear you have? You can't strip down just to your bikini. No, this is such a funny conversation. And <laughs> it's, it's a controversial one. And it's it a shouldn't one. be. It shouldn't be controversial, but it is. And it's something I've been really passionate about. And also, it's something I wrestle with every day. But yeah, so I surf, when I surf, I wear all the same gear I would normally wear if I'm on a stand-up paddleboard, naturally. Um, You know, I'm wearing the same gear a kayaker would wear if they're in the river, naturally, because um, the river is a powerful um, element. It's, it's, it can be unforgiving. It can be unpredictable at times. Um, And you just never know what's going to happen. So I would like to be prepared when I'm out there for any sort of situation or accident. And I want to be able to, the the best thing about the river to me when I started was that everyone looked out for each other. So you always feel, you always feel really safe when you're on the river with others because you, or you're there with people that you trust because you know, like if I were to get knocked unconscious, there's plenty of people here that have the proper gear that are going to be able to swim out and pull me to shore. Or if I dislocate my shoulder or, you know, there's so many things that can happen. So I'd rather be prepared for those situations than um, put my myself in danger and others in danger by not wearing the proper gear. And just because just for the sake of either looking cool or um, being more comfortable Give us a, a list of some of the things that you have that a traditional surfer, an ocean surfer, and even in many cases, a river surfer are not wearing. What are some of the gears that you outline for safe and performance-oriented surfing on the river? That people aren't wearing? That, that you wear. What are you recommending that, uh, that oh, someone wears? Sure, yeah. Um, I wear a PFD or aka life jacket helmet and a quick release leash so a leash that's within arm's reach that I can that has a quick release ball that I can pull um, in case my leash were to get wrapped around a rock or any sort of any other obstruction in the river. I bet your leash is worn around your waist on a quick release mechanism. Yep it's it's connected to my PFD so it's in a more or less an unmoving location so I always know where it is. People that you see on the river who are wearing a leash below the waist, whether it be, you know, a thigh leash or an ankle leash, how do you get in those conversations or do you not get in those conversations about 
that because the majority of river surfers don't come from a river background, maybe. And so they're going with what they're used to is in surfing in, in the ocean or seeing their friends wearing, which is might just be a, a board short or a wetsuit and a leash and nothing else beyond that. Yeah. How do you get, how do you navigate those conversations? That's really tough. <laughs> it's really, really tricky for me. I, if I see, if I see someone that I know is just starting out that is really new to it, I will just give them a quick heads up, you know, because a lot of people will come to the wave and they'll just see everyone else. And they'll see a lot of surfers there with ankle leashes on without PFDs, without helmets. And they'll just be like, oh, okay, well, this must be safe enough that I don't have to wear all that, all that safety gear, like those kooks over there. So <laughs> they, <laughs> so they, um, I, I'll, I can always, you can tell when someone's just starting out and when they're new and usually they'll ask questions. Um, so I just try to, I let them know and I try to be as diplomatic as possible and positive and just be like, Hey, like, just so you know, um, the reason, this is the reason why I'm wearing my quick release leash. I don't try to talk negatively about those that aren't. I just try to make sure that they have the knowledge um, as to why it can be a really dangerous choice. Um, but it is a hard conversation to have. And I don't find that it's useful to try to um, talk to those people that have been doing it for a while that wear that stuff because they seem pretty convinced that they're okay and um, sort of stuck in their ways, which. I think it's pretty common with surf culture. It seems like if you look at the history of all the changes and innovation within the, the ocean surf world, every change, anything that's different is always met with resistance. And the thing is, is like you're coming into a community that's been built over decades and generations and yet those those rules aren't respected, which is frustrating um, because those, you know, the kayaking rafting world, they started not wearing all the safety gear either. And then enough people died that they're like, okay, maybe we need to, to change this. We need to figure out a safe way to recreate on the river. So it's not like these are like new rules or so ancient that they're irrelevant. Like they're there for a reason. And um, yeah, I don't know why it's such a controversial topic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but going right back to the simplicity of it, you know, just getting as getting rid of as much gear as possible and just having the connection with your board and the wave, there is an aesthetic beauty to that. Um, and it's hard to deny, but uh, the river is certainly not the ocean. Uh, yeah, it, it will remain a controversy and, and hopefully more and more people will be entering the river looking like kayakers with shoes and PFDs and helmets and all of that. You know, there was a kid that we had a couple of kids at the wave that would, I, I'd overhear a kid talking to his parents and be like, dad, why, why are they wearing life jackets? And they aren't. And his dad explained to him. And then the kid came up to me later after I got out of the river. And he's like, good job for wearing the right gear. You know, so like those, you, you need to set an example. And so people just, 
it's like this individualistic attitude where it's never existed really on the river. And they, um, they don't realize that how they present, especially the good surfers, like a lot of the kids are going to look at the good surfers and be like, that's who I want to be. And so you need to make sure that you're setting an example of safety because you don't want the kids to just jump in without any knowledge of gear without the right equipment. You've definitely set an example for safety and also for adventure and the enthusiasm to paddle about five years ago. Is it already five years ago that uh, your surf movie, Can I Surf That, came out? Yeah, I think so. I think it's been about five years. Do we have any sequels coming up? Like, hell yeah, oh my I can gosh. surf that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely want to make something again. That was so fun and we learned so much and... Now there's this whole new aspect of surfing that, um, like with the shortboard surfing and everything, that I would love to um, make another one and just just make it a little bit more. I don't know. I was so so green to the whole river surfing scene then, and now I I just know so much more, and I've had I have so much more experience, and so. I think the next one could just be off the charts. It could be so good <laughs> and so fun. I mean, who doesn't want to just travel around and surf waves and talk about it and film it? And... Off the top of your head, five best river waves in the world. Pipeline, Skook, Skookum Track, Lunch Counter, Glenwood, Big Sur. Where's Big Sur? Big Sur is um, on the Colorado River in okay. Debec Canyon, in between Grand Junction and Rifle. And, and it's pipeline like a, on the like Lockshaw. Yeah. And Skookum Chuck, I mean, I guess you can't call that a, a river wave. But, but it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A monster scary, you could uh, sink boats in the, the swirling vortex behind it type of wave. <laughs> it's super scary. <laughs> But it's beautiful. It's definitely in one of the most beautiful places in the world. That's for sure. So you're you're a poet, whether you know it or not, <laughs> and I think you know it. Uh, how would you articulate the meaning, the joy, the experience of standing on a board in a wave? To me, surfing on a river wave is just peace. I've never felt more connected to myself and more connected to nature than when I'm surfing a river wave. It feels like this dance with nature. You know, the, that's why I love natural waves and dynamic waves versus the adjustable ones because it's always changing and it has all these different moods and you just have to kind of react to it accordingly. And sometimes it's going to be frustrating as hell. And, and sometimes it's just going to be total bliss for hours. But it's just this really amazing dance with nature. As cheesy as that might sound, that's what it feels like. And it's just like, it's, there's no other way to describe it than, than like a dance. It's amazing. I love it. And I recommend people dance with Brittany Parker on River Waves. <laughs> with, with COVID, it certainly has changed uh, plans for the entire world. Uh, I'm sure you had clinics and trips scheduled. How are they being postponed? And what are, your, what are your predictions for the rest of the year for doing business as you normally do? 
Yeah, I had a lot of stuff planned this summer and some things definitely got canceled already, but a lot of them were set up to start in June, July anyway. And so I think, I think especially with surfing too, it, I, I think I'm going to be able to carry on almost like business as usual. It's pretty easy to maintain your social distance. The only thing is like rescuing, rescuing. You obviously can't, but those people and are shuttling. Gonna, yeah. And when this is why I'm probably going to stick with river surfing sure. instruction, because you know, you just stay in one place and you can do down river instruction at whitewater parks and stuff. Those are great places where there's no shuttling involved. So I'm probably going to start doing lessons again in, in river surfing lessons in June, July. You know, we're just all having to change the way we do things. We can still live our lives, but we just have to live our lives more carefully and more conscious of the people around us. And I'm supposed to be doing this trip with Sartoni in, um, on the main salmon, a multi-day trip with clients. And the company, the rafting company that we're doing it with, they're taking all of these measures like the guides can't leave camp where they say they all stay in their own pods. They're not allowed to go to restaurants or bars. Um, if they do leave, they have to do a two-week quarantine before they can take clients out again. Um, they're taking everyone's temperature every day, like all the clients, all the guides every day. They have um, an evac um, uh, plan set in place in case someone was to get sick and so it's we're just having to take a lot more precautions and then for me with river surfing you know I have to make sure I'm sanitizing all the equipment after we use it and um just being really con cautious I mean I'm still gonna rescue someone if they're hurt but I think that teaching is still essential because those people are gonna go out and surf and paddle anyways and so I'd rather them go out and I rather them have the education so we can prevent accidents. We can prevent people from going to emergency rooms and um, yeah. So that's where I'm at. I'm glad this is an opportunity for people to reevaluate their priorities, whether it be for group trips and how to maybe even limit those. Maybe it's going to be better for the environment with leave no trace ethics, lighter impact, uh, more strategic, guide interactions hopefully it's a good thing you know the idea of of, of a, a troubling time giving better solutions is important okay first of all before the words of optimism zambezi yes zambezi Brittany parker is paddled on a board the zambezi the mighty zambezi or river <laughs> stand up swim down sometimes yeah uh, uh that is certainly the thing about paddleboarding. You do spend a quality amount of time in the water, but highlight that Zambezi trip. That's just nuts to me. Yeah, it was nuts. I was on the fence of going for, I mean, we got invited to it within like, Nadia and I got mm -hmm. invited um, to it like within a two weeks. We got like two weeks notice. And so I'm making all these calls. I'm trying to really decide if this is a smart choice and, and, um, my friend Paul Teasdale, so he was the one who was kind of organizing the whole trip, and he lives there in Zimbabwe. He's um, a local um, Zimbab Zimbabwean, and he 
was, I had this one question. I was like, okay, if there's crocodiles, I'm not going. And I asked him, he's like, no, no crocodiles. And he lied to me. Of course he lied to you. <laughs> he lied to me. But crocodiles I, and the hippos. Yeah. No hippos where we were, thank goodness. Good. Like further downstream, yes, but not where we were. But I think he, because he knew that it can be an ir- irrational fear in some places. Like, you know, there's people who, who boogie board the Zambezi. So it's okay. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's okay. And so I went and um, without really any idea what to expect. And I just knew that I, I just knew to expect giant rapids, um, unfathomably huge rapids. And um, it was a trip of a lifetime. And there's actually some really nice suppable sections of the Zambezi, like the lower sections are so fun low consequence, deep, like big waves, wave train, no obstacles, you know, just down the middle and hope for the best. There's some obstacles in some places, but for the most part, it's like really friendly. Once you start moving up and getting closer to like the lower numbered rapids, like number one through 11, it's super scary and really big and it can be high consequence. Um, But it was amazing. I mean, we hiked in and out of the gorge every day. We got porters who we hired porters to carry our boards down, which at first felt like made me aware of my my privilege and made me feel a little uncomfortable. But then I realized I'm like, this is work. This is, uh, you know, I'm helping. I'm putting money into the into the economy by doing this. So I let that go. And they would carry these guys or machines wouldn't drink any water until they got down to the river. and um, wouldn't carry any water with them. And they're carrying like 16 foot rafts. They're carrying like three bags, three boards in bags they would have. And it's like straight vertical, crazy steep, over 100, 100 plus degree weather. I mean, unreal. But yeah, so you would hike down and then paddle all day and then hike out. So it's grueling. And we did that for a week every day. It was grueling, but it was amazing. And at nighttime, I mean, it's just a wild place, you know. There were crocodiles, by the way. <laughs> we, saw, we saw two crocodiles. <laughs> but I bet you weren't laughing like that when you saw them. No, I was super nervous. I told Nadia, I was like, Nadia, you stay right next to me. Like, do not leave my side. Because the bigger you present yourself, the less likely they are to attack you. Like they know at this point, there's enough traffic that goes through there. They know that you're not food. So you just have to raft up, you know? So yeah, I was definitely, but the whole, the whole time I'm in the rapid, I am thinking crocodile. Yeah. Every time I was swimming, I was like crocodile, there's crocodiles, crocodiles. Okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's like do this whole, I had to calm myself down every time. Um, but yeah, it was wild. I mean, there's elephants, there's like elephant traffic jams, cars are backed up and there's like elephants crossing at night. You would hear hyenas and lions and there's just like warthogs walking around all over the place and baboons. It's just a wild place. I recommend Africa. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. I mean, and it's just a punishing, it's a punishing place. It's, it's not the most hospitable of places, but it is also beautiful, like Victoria Falls. Um, it's there's a reason why it's one of the wonders of the world. It's just it's breathtaking for sure. 
travel. And part of this podcast is adventure travel, content creation, and running rivers on a paddleboard. I think adventure travel to me is just doing something that your local your normal tourist wouldn't do the person who checks into a hotel and the only people they see are maybe, you know, the staff in that hotel or their tour guides, you know, a, a, a brutal, frightening place that leaves memories to me, that's adventure travel. And you're, you're, uh, you're an adventure traveler for sure. Aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Thanks to Santa paddling really like that's, what's taken me all over the world. Yeah, isn't that weird? You know, mm-hmm. give give yourself a board and off you go. I mean, it certainly is for me. I remember as a kid, I would just tear out of surfing magazine. I was raised in the Great Basin in Reno where you, I would tear out photos of surfers who are in Costa Rica or whatever living out of the back of their truck. And like for whatever, as a little kid, that was the life. Give me a board yeah. and off I go. I don't know what a surfboard is, let alone how to surf, but I, that's clearly what the good life is about. Yeah. For sure. And Santa paddling makes it, it gives you more ease of travel too, because our community is so strong and so small, so close. So everywhere you go, there's people that are just super excited to have more people to paddleboard with and to mm-hmm. show them their home and their place. So it's like, no matter where you go, you have locals there taking you around and showing you the goods. It's awesome. It is awesome. And with that, I think we're going to be wrapping up. If there's anything else you'd like to say. Yeah, Natalie and I have been working on River to River a bit. And um, that's kind of, that's mine and Natalie's business. Uh, It's an instructional business. And we've definitely taken some steps back with that over the years, just because we've been pursuing other things. But um, we're jumping back into that. So like any lessons or anything like that, it will be listed up on the river to river website and that's RVR, the number two RVR. Mm-hmm. And, um, also like we really encourage people to reach out to me, reach out to Natalie personally, uh, with any questions regarding gear, regarding waves, um, uh, regarding technique. Like I'm always happy to answer questions and to help, um, point people in the right direction and, um, just, to get more people out on the water. So um, I'm an open resource for anyone who needs it. Well, Brittany, I wouldn't take any more of your time. Uh, Go surf. Have a great rest of the day. (laughs) It's fun chatting with you. Yeah. Thank you so much for being part of the podcast. Yeah. My pleasure. 